What's going on, folks? Let me just see, adjust the camera real quick here. There we go. I think we're good now. Contender Series Week 9 breakdowns. Can't believe the season is already coming to a close. And uh, your boy is just getting excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> Been absolutely slaying the Contender Series. Now, in terms of like flat out predictions at least like what i've been tracking for my um like like in the youtube description i'll track how i do in terms of at least picking winners and and losers from every matchup not my bets but like picking winners and losers it's like 20 and 15 so i'm not really doing the greatest from an overall perspective but i'm doing a damn good job in terms of picking my spots in terms of actually betting them um you know, I, I tweeted out something uh, earlier today or yesterday. can't recall. Actually, it was earlier today uh, in terms of my stats for picking underdogs on the Contender Series uh, this season. It's been going pretty fucking well. Uh, let me just pull it up here. But we've hit some plus 200s. We've uh, cast some good dogs as well. So, yeah, 5-1 uh, on underdog bets plus 8.82 units for an 160% ROI. That's the type of goddamn, uh, you know, quality we want to see with the underdog picks. So um, happy to, to be cashing them. And I got another one for you guys. We'll see if you guys can decipher which one I actually mean, because I've already posted on the Patreon and seven straight winning events, hoping to make it eight tomorrow. So all that stuff is only behind the Patreon paywall until I hit my next losing event. All right, let's just quickly see what the chat is saying here. K-Swiss in the chat, appreciate you stopping by. Black M3 saying good shit on the plus 700 decision prop. Yes, Rodrigo Nascimento coming through for your boy. Moneyline and decision prop. Love it. Tim Troiano in the chat as always. Appreciate him stopping by. My guy Vinny G in the chat as well. Always loves him. Michael B saying, picks been fire. You're reading the tape wall, brother. Yes. Thank you, man. It's it's great to see it really flourishing and, and coming into fruition. Like, bro, the, the last six going on seven months now have been absolutely ridiculous in terms of my, my reads and my calls. And it's been, you know, it's been the... The reason I'm on like a, what, 40 to 50 unit swing right now uh, from the beginning of the year. Because like I, the first three months, I ate shit. I ate complete dog shit. But now I am at a healthy uh, plus 16, uh, almost, yeah, plus 16 and a half units on the year. And ain't no signs of slowing down either. So we're going to keep at it. Jake Neuker saying, uh, for every minute, Manfred is late. He owes me one unit. <laughs> You should know what it is by now. My guy, Robot Chicken Wings, in the chat. Wheel Kick Ignacio. Appreciate you stopping by. Hype MMA doing the damn thing. My guy, OK, in the chat as well. Appreciate the love. Mushroom, what's good, Lock? Glad to catch you live. Let's fucking go. Shout out to Mushroom. Uh, you know, also shout out to my guy, Lou Betcher, who kind of let me know who you were on Twitter. I didn't realize you were the maniac posting all those crazy food pictures, but goddamn, you have me drooling every single time. Uh, I see one of your uh, your pictures. I got to follow you as well. I always see you like because it shows up because somebody liked your picture. I got to follow you now, now that I know it's actually you. So uh, maybe hit me with a follow on Twitter and I'll be able to hit you one right back. But uh, I appreciate the support that you showed the the predictor community as always. Jake Nowaker saying, man, pre, I'll publicly say it. I was wrong about Pat Sabatini. 
Come back tomorrow for the MMA Lock Talk, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But you know i got to rub it in a little bit, right? As emphatically as my guy David Jackson got it done, we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow because we want to focus on the Contender Series. Um, Aaron, to remind you guys, make sure you guys leave your boy a like because that would be very great to see my guy Aaron Quillis in the chat as well. Appreciate seeing you. My guy Joshua Frick as well. Happy you are in good spirits, Philly Lock. Hey, Things have been going well. You know, obviously I had that shit storm to deal with last week. It has all been, you know, sorted out slash sorting itself out. And I feel amazing, especially the fact that we got contender series tomorrow. And I love breaking down the contender series. Before I do quickly start the breakdowns, though, shout out to my guy, Nubian Bookstore, my guy, Marcus Williams. Guy's absolutely killing it with the fitteds. He sent me a care package uh, late last week, and he gave me like four four new hats. I think it is. Uh, originally, you guys you guys will recognize this logo. I have a black hat with this logo on it, and uh, apparently, a lot of people have been asking him about it because they saw it on my show. So he's like, "Hey, here's a here's some more." I actually went to the UFC Apex event with him last year. Like uh, we met up and, and went to the fights together. Uh, very solid dude. One of my first ever supporters. I'll always shout him out because I got nothing but love for him. And uh, again, another big shout out to him for cashing that Johnny Walker ticket a couple weeks ago. Nine grand, I think it was, uh, to cash $17,000. Crazy. Absolute crazy, man. Appreciate him and love him as well. Mushroom saying at mushroom underscore Philly. Make sure you guys follow him. But I'll be doing that as well after that. Uh, Joshua Frick saying, I had my biggest betting week since it beca- since betting became legal in Kansas. I love it. Love to hear it. All right. Let's uh, let's not waste no more time. We got six minutes into the podcast and we haven't talked about the Contender Series. I apologize for my audio listeners. Let's go right into the breakdowns. First fight of tomorrow night. We got Jafel Filio. Minus 155 going up against Roy Echeverria, who's coming in at plus 135. And I just want to quickly actually pull up the uh, weigh-in results. I watched the weigh-ins, but I actually didn't hear uh, whether they all... Yeah, okay. Thanks to Sherdog in their title. Uh, it says all fighters hit contract marks for week nine. So nobody missed weight. Uh, the heavyweight fight, there's only four and a half pound difference. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, yeah. Getting back to this, uh, getting back to this flyweight fight, a very intriguing fight. This one was maybe the toughest one for me to break down on the card, uh, at, at least in terms of you know uh, picking a winner and and deciding whether there's enough value on them to actually make the bet. Uh, we'll start off on the Echeverria side, uh, a goat shed product. That's something that you hear being talked about a lot whenever he fights. If that sounds familiar to you, that's because Jillian Robertson, who just picked up a big win this past week and over Maria Agapova, she trains out of that gym now too. Now, South Florida has a ton of goddamn gyms. Like, there's four gyms that I can think of off the top of my head, all within that South uh, Florida area. ATT, uh, Kilcliff FC, uh, MMA Masters, and now the Goat Shed is starting to pop up and starting to get some traction as well. So, solid training down there in South, South Florida, and Echeverria showcasing that you don't need to go to one of those super gyms to be successful in your MMA career. Now he's a uh, a fun fighter to watch. Loves to strike. Has some uh, good athleticism about him. Seven and zero record. But you have to go back to his amateur days to kind of see him, uh, you know, get challenged and actually take three losses as well. But like in terms of his professional career, the guy's been fighting 
relative bums, if I'm being honest, right? He he fought this guy named Ernest Walls in his third last fight. It was actually a rematch against this guy because he beat him two fights even before that. Uh, three and a half minutes into the first round, rear naked choked him. But then he spinning wheel kicked him in the second time that they fought. But the funny thing was that uh, Titan FC, they put this guy's record as two and five. He was actually 2-17 going into that fight. So big red flags there. I think they were just trying to save face in terms of Echeverria fighting a complete like scrub. And to Echeverria's defense, that fight was put together on short notice as his original opponent, Andrew, Andrew Richardson, had to pull out. But even the fight after that, Kenneth Sabino, the guy was 0-2, got clocked and dropped and finished with the first fight, uh, first punch that he uh, got hit with. Uh, and then Wasker Cruz, you know, that was the fight that we see Roy uh, actually get tested. We, we saw him face some uh, adversities, face somebody that will actually give them some trouble. Uh, it was a split decision win for Echeverria, but... That's, that's kind of my big thing here is that we don't really see Roy fighting the best competition. Like the guy, the closest fights that he's had are guys that can, you know, not falter under his big power, uh, which were John Arce and Waskar Cruz. That's only two fights in his seven professional MMA fights that we can go to and be like, okay, this is him fighting decently legit competition and i don't want to say he's struggling like he got hurt a lot in the waskar fight but even the john Arce fight he was facing some adversity and came back and won those fights but like i said at the top of the breakdown you have to go to his amateur fights to see guys that were actually trying to fight him from a grapple heavy approach and that's where you see carlos espinoza and damian martinez have their success in terms of dragging uh echeveria to the floor and having uh, good success there controlling him uh, neither of those guys were able to finish him but they did good work in terms of getting him down and, and controlling him but that like I said the professional career for Echeverria it's hard to see legitimate guys going out there and trying to grapple him like Arce wasn't really grappling him Cruz wasn't really grappling him and when guys do like Echeverria shows solid enough takedown defense but you have to the thing that comes into question is how good are those guys in terms of actually getting these guys down? Because with Jafel Filio, we're talking about a BJJ black belt, a Novo Uniao product. You know, this guy's in the training room with the, the Jose Aldos and uh, at least the formerly Henan Barraus. But this guy's been fighting for a long time. His first professional MMA fight was in 2012. We're talking about him being 19 years old when he first had his fight, where as Echeverria, first amateur fight was in 2013, took three years off. Uh, but his first professional fight came in 2020. So waited a long time before he actually turned pro. But, uh, you know, I still have some big question marks about what he can bring to the table here against Filio. Uh, Filio will be at a striking disadvantage in this fight, in my opinion. But I don't think it's so much so to the point that we got to worry about him getting starched right off the bat. It's just... This is where we're going to see Echeverria's grappling actually get tested, something we haven't seen in his pro scene, right? Jafel, uh, very good BJJ black belt. You see a plethora of submission victories on his record, not to mention a ground and pound victory over a recent contender series signee, Vinicius Salvador, who picked up a big win and upset over Shannon Ross several weeks ago. Uh, he also fought another uh, name that's familiar to a lot of people, Bruno Cohea, uh, but uh, we saw Jafel lose that fight, but it was a very close fight, back and forth fight, very grapple heavy fight, a lot of scrambles where both guys had some success, but it was Bruno Cohea that ended up getting his hand raised that night, but just being a, a notch above ever so slightly in most of these scrambles. So the pick here is going to be the Filio side, but I just don't have enough confidence in him to pay that minus 155 because Echeverria could actually be something good, right? I love his combinations. I love his uh, tenacity, uh, athleticism, uh, his consistency in terms of throwing combinations out there. I love all that. 
but it's just we have question marks about his grappling and his takedown defense. And if he gets taken down with relative ease here by Filio, Filio could absolutely cruise on top and get a submission victory. So uh, the pick here is Filio, but too many question marks on me or for me on this fight to have true conviction on either side. Uh, let's see if anybody has anything to say about this fight. Jake Nwaker saying, let's go Echeveria. It was great talking with the dude. Really hope he can get it done. Love that goat shed gym too. Yeah. Shout out to my guy, Jake, who actually has an interview with Echeveria. Uh, I didn't get to get a chance to check it out, but I'll definitely do so after this. Uh, but you know, I don't, I personally, I don't really take interviews that seriously and try not to use it in too much of my capping. For me, the large part of it is what I see inside the cage. Guys can say whatever they want in interviews, but I want to see what they actually do inside the cage. And that's very, uh, seems like a very solid prospect. And like my guy, Jake said, Goatshed uh, is a gym on the rise as well. Problem kids saying Filio is a beast. I agree. It's just trying to figure out how good Echeverria actually is as well. All right, next up. We got Nurulo Aliyev going up against Josh Wick. Biggest favorite on the card here. Minus 645 for Aliyev and plus 480 the return on Josh Wick. Now, Josh Wick is a guy that I'm somewhat familiar with. He actually fought up here in Canada. Um, actually, I believe it was Ottawa. Let me just quickly confirm. Like Canada, no duh. But yeah, it was in Ottawa. Uh, and uh, in the main event, he defeated our hometown guy, Adam Asenza, or home country guy, uh, Adam Asenza. Uh, Josh Wick knocked him out in the first round uh, with 30 seconds left. Um, and, and that's, you know, a, a great indication of just what kind of fighter he is. He is a striker. He likes to go out there and really just uh, throw his hands, throw combinations, use his leg kicks, try to stick and move. Uh, but when guys can put that pace, that big power, and that wrestling on him, he starts to falter. Now, to his credit, you know, the, the earlier tape that I was running of his, uh, it didn't really seem like he was having too much trouble dealing with the grappling of his opponents. But when you go back and look at the level of his opponents back then, it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, right? I'm like, hey, this guy's showing some good shit. You know, he's spreading his base. He's digging under hooks. He's wrist fighting. Um, or he's trying to go for a wrist control and trying to get out of these bad positions, then go back to his striking. But then, like, it's like most of the fights that I don't have uh, access to are his losses, right? I haven't seen the Dan Moret fight. I haven't seen the Angelo Sanchez fight. I haven't seen the Johnny Nunez fight. I saw the Jason Fisher fight. Uh, that was a fight where he was just getting outgunned pretty much. Um, but but Johnny Nunez, you uh, you hear somebody, I think it was in the Alex Trinidad fight, where the commentators are talking about the fact that he just got grinded out and kept getting taken down by Johnny Nunez. So that, you know, if he's getting grappled by a guy like that, you got to believe that a, a killer like Nurulo Aliyev will likely have more than enough success in this spot too. And, and shout out to Josh Wick for taking this fight on short notice, right? If you guys remember, I think it was last week where they showed the card, uh, you know, just anticipation for this week, and uh, they didn't have an opponent for Aliyev. So it came together pretty quickly for Wick, uh, but it's a, it's a tough spot. It's I guess it's a win-win for him, right? He goes in there and uh, he saves Aliyev's uh, spot, and maybe the, the matchmakers will give him some credit for that. Uh, so if he ends up losing tomorrow, maybe they'll give him another shot with the full training camp on the next season. Um, but at least it's a good way for him to get on uh, the matchmaker's radar. Now, in terms of the Nerulo side, uh, I the first fight I watched of him was the Sergei Malikov fight, which is a pro debut. And I'm like, this guy could win. He could beat some guys on the in the UFC right now. Like he could be, uh, you know, he could be a solid top twenty-five, top thirty guy already uh, in the lightweight division. Great takedowns, good pressure, 
solid enough cardio, in my opinion. I think as he starts taking steps up in competition, that's something he's going to have to work on a little bit. But like when he wants to get fights to the ground, he can get them to the ground. And I feel like that's what's going to be his uh, main go-to here against a guy like Josh Wick. Josh could quickly get ahead of you by just throwing more strikes and just staying consistent with his leg kick from the outside. But I'm sure at a certain point, Ali is just going to be like, fuck this. Let's go for the takedown and let's just try to, you know, grind this guy out right we got uh five of the six wins from ali of coming via decision but i think you know the the skill discrepancy here and the short notice nature here for josh wick could eventually produce a uh a finishing opportunity for Aliyev. I'm not 100% certain on the Aliyev via finish prop, uh, but I do think that he goes out there and likely smashes his way to a UFC contract by defeating Josh Wick in the spot. So um, I like everything I see from Aliyev. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do inside the UFC, but this should be a... I don't want to call it a cakewalk because I, I respect the guys over there at Elevation Fight Team, which is where Josh uh, Wick actually trains... But like this is a very tough stylistic matchup for him to go out there and try to pull off the upset. So give me Aliyev, Aliyev by the uh, Aliyev inside the distance. Uh, Jake saying Spider-Man interviews are pretty counterproductive to fight tape. All personality display. Bingo. Jake saying names too similar to Josh Wick. Josh wins easily. That's what threw me off at first. Yeah, John Wick. You're saying yeah. Mushroom saying Aliyev decision. What blanket? I see it there as well. Problem kid saying Aliyev pace will be too much. He's going to be a problem. His grappling is also too good to get caught by Wick. Bingo. Again, I'm not in the business of parlaying minus 600 nowadays, but like if I were, this guy <laughs> probably um, probably uh, takes the cake and and you should feel somewhat safe about him uh, running through Josh Wick in this spot. All right, let's get to the heavyweights here. And as I said at the top of the show, there's only four and a half pounds separating these two. It's actually in the advantage of Richard Jacoby, who's coming in as a plus 115 underdog, minus 135 on a former contender series fighter, Austin Lane, um, like I said, coming in at minus 135. Now, huge line movement on this fight uh, over the last couple of days because Austin Lane was originally at, at minus 200, minus 205 even on bet online until... People started running the tape and starting to see that Jacoby is way liver than a plus 170 would indicate. Now he's down to, I see, you know, plus 105 on certain spots. A lot of money coming in on the Jacoby side. And rightfully so, in my opinion, right? Austin Lane, the guy's big. You know, he moves okay for a heavyweight. But, like, I don't think there's anything that he really presents here that's going to give Jacoby too many troubles. Right? He's 34 years old. Uh, he's, you know, whenever he's had his toughest fights, he always comes up short other than, you know, the one Adams fight, which he was pretty much coming up short in as well. Right. But before we get to that, like the, the Greg Hardy fight, that was his fourth ever fight. He was four and going into that fight. He gets starched within 57 seconds. Now that was June of 2018. His next fight goes out there and gets knocked out by Frank Tate, uh, two and a half minutes into their fight. Puts together two wins, then he fights a you know a regional uh, heavyweight in Vernon Lewis, who was making a decent enough name for himself uh, on the LFA scene. Uh, Vernon takes him down, ground and pounds him, gets him out of there within a round. Now he's on a five fight winning streak, Austin Lane, that is, but level competition a little bit sketchy, right? The the five and nines and the five and threes, guys, he's just starching within thirty seconds. Then he fights Juan Adams, you know, that's for the Fury FC heavyweight title, and Juan Adams for the large part of fifteen ish minutes is having much grappling success against uh, Austin Lane. Blast doubles, gets him to the ground, lays on top of him. Austin Lane has a little bit of success at times, but Juan Adams is controlling the majority of that fight. Unfortunately for Juan, 
horrible gas tank starts slowing down. That's where Austin Lane lands a beautiful combination in that f- the beginning of the fourth round. And to me personally, like I see that Juan Adams kind of falls face first, but right away he gets a single leg or, or starts going after a single leg. But that's right when the referee stops it. Personally, to me, a little bit of an early stoppage, right? Like, okay, the aesthetic of a guy kind of falling face first is not good. But as he's falling face first, he's latching onto that single leg. If he just fell uh, face first and had no type of takedown entry, stop it. But, like, he's trying to save himself by going for a single leg. And you should have given uh, Austin Lane a a couple more shots there uh, to see if he could actually put it away. But very sketchy. Regardless. You know, he's losing that fight until he's not. So good one for Austin Lane there. And then he goes out there and uh, wins via leg injury in his next fight, trying to defend his title. Um, so we didn't get too much out of that fight. Now, Hitra Jacoby seems like that guy that will give Austin Lane troubles, right? Uh, a Greg Hardy, Frank Tate kind of, kind of guy. And what I mean by that is big power punchers, but he's very disciplined about it. You know, he comes from the shoot-to-box gym. Uh, uh Jennifer Maya, you know, is out of there as well. We know that her Muay Thai is pretty good, uh, not to mention her husband, who's the head uh, coach there as well, is is very skilled as well. And you see the majority of uh, Heatra Jacoby's fights, you know, he's stalking these guys and he's either knocking them out quickly or going a solid 15 uh, minutes and having some good success by putting his big punches together in combinations with leg kicks and just putting together a good enough body of work to win a decision. Now, he, he went to a draw in his last fight, which was back in May, against uh, Hayego uh, Silva. Good fight from both guys, but Hayego Silva, you know, uh, really made Jacoby work there. And I was impressed with Jacoby's resilience in terms of dealing with the, the pressure that was coming from the Hayego side. Uh, Hayego hurt him a couple of times, but unfortunately, uh, Hayego actually got a point taken away. I believe it was due to him... I think I want to I want to say grabbing the cage or poking his eyes. I can't recall what it was off the top of my head, but um, got a point taken away. Hence why we got the draw because Hego won that fight two to one in my opinion. Point taken away obviously makes it a uh, a, a a draw there. But Jacoby, I think with his stalkerish style, with his just slow plodding moving forward, he's eventually going to be able to catch Austin Lane. And I think it's Austin who's going to be the one kind of, you know, try to take this fight to the ground and stay away from the big power of uh, Jacoby. But I think that once Jacoby lands on Lane, we'll see those durability issues of Lane start to come out once again. And that's going to be his downfall here, right? This five fight winning streak that he's on, he hasn't really fought anybody that's going to put that big you know, those big punches together on him. Maybe Eric Lunsford, the last guy that he faced probably could have. And we saw, you know, the within the first minute of that fight, he was trying to do that, but he ended up coming short. You know, the guy's a little bit older as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually, he was 32 years old, but just didn't seem like a fighter, right? He's six and four, uh, you know, losing to the Richard Hales and the Juan Adams uh, and the Austin Lane. So not the greatest record on Eric Lunsford, but you see him trying to go after it. I think Jacoby can do it safer and more effectively. And I think he's going to be able to find that chin of Austin Lane and put him down here. So I am going. I am going Jacoby, Jacoby knockout. And it completely makes sense why this line is closing as fast as it is. Because Austin Lane cannot take a punch. Lit, lit, lit in the chat saying minus 600 makes me nauseous. Bingo. That's why, like, officially speaking, I'm probably not going to bet that. Actually, not probably. Won't be betting that. Mushroom likes Jacoby via knockout. I like that as well. Contender saying Ali of Wick fight doesn't go to decision at plus 125. Again, that one makes me sweat a little bit too because Ali of not a big finisher in his own right. 
Jake Nowaker saying Lane's best win is Juan Adams. Bingo contender view saying, uh, sorry, not just Juan Adams, but you know, losing to Juan Adams and then picking up that victory at the end there. Contender view saying I mean he was in the UFC. Uh, who is that? Contender review saying I faded in religiously, but still good for the regional scene. Oh, Austin Lane, sorry. Uh, Austin Lane was not in. Oh, Juan Adams, sorry. Juan Adams, you're talking about. Yeah. Problem kids saying, and then Juan slept some positive record guys that weren't terrible as fuck too, and is doing pretty good. So that win has aged pretty decently. I don't know. I, I really don't think the most of uh, Juan myself. Lane too fast and athletic for Jacoby is my thinking. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Hey, and I, I, I was kind of getting flack for my Nascimento pick this past week because everybody's like, Bose is faster. He's going to be able to get out of the way. Won't be able to get taken down. You know, speed at heavyweight is tough to really use as your big advantage. Like, you have to be very fast. And to me, Austin Lane still seems like he could be pushed back up against the cage and then get clocked. Like, I really think he's going to... Uh, I think he's going to break under that pressure personally. Uh, Mushroom saying uh, Jacoby KO, that's how Lane loses. Bingo. Jacoby hasn't beaten anyone, to be fair. True, but he has the style. He has the style. Robot Chicken Wing saying Lock knows. You know what it is. DXJC saying Juan Adams is absolute trash and his eyes are too far apart. Bro, he, uh, all respect to Juan Adams. I know the guy's a good guy, all that stuff. Uh, and, he can't control how he looks. So I'm going to start with that. But like his eyes being too far apart, I completely understand. The guy looks uh, almost like a hammerhead shark. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure he's a great guy. I hate saying that, but like we're all thinking it, right? We're all thinking it. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, DXJC. All right. So I'm going Heatchard Jacoby via knockout. Next fight, co main event of this five fight card. This is the one that I'm most excited about. This is the one that I have my eyes on the most. We got 17-year-old Mexican phenom Raul Rosas Jr. going up against Mando Gutierrez. Minus 155 on Raul, plus 135 on uh, Mando Gutierrez. Now, let's start off on the Mando side first, right? 25 years old, 7-1 record. His only loss is to former contenders series fighter Mo Miller. Uh, but has pretty much beaten everybody else that he's gone up against. You know, he has uh, a solid all-around game, if I'm being honest. Some good striking, has some good grappling of his own. But when other folks try to grapple him, that's where they're able to have success, right? Like, But you have to be, you can't just be a grappler. You got to be a good grappler. That's what Mo Miller was. He was able to get Mando down on numerous occasions. He eventually worked to get a rear naked choke at the ending of that second round got the win and i think that's what ultimately got mo miller his shot on the contender series and his next fight mando gutierrez faced hella adversity against william knight early in that fight william drops him and hurts him numerous times within the first minute to minute and a half there and then uh mando gets his wits about him william possibly blowing his load uh you know, starts to slow down. Mando gets him down. Eventually gets to rear naked choke with five seconds left in that first round. Crazy fight. If you guys have access to, to fight pass, I would highly recommend checking that fight out because it was a crazy back and forth. Four minute and 55 second war. But good win for Mando there. Uh, you know, the Matthew Elliott fight, good solid win, good all around performance, good grappling. But I think he might be outdone here by this 17 year old phenom, Raul Rosas Jr. Um, this kid, his tape was so fun to watch. 
Like you could watch all of his tape within. Uh, well, let's just do the calculations here real quick. Uh, two minutes, four minutes, uh, nine, 11, 11 and a half, 12, 14 minutes. You can watch all of his fights in 14 minutes. Cause with the exception of one of them, all of his fights and fish inside the first round and all of them go pretty much the exact same way. Gets these guys to the ground almost immediately, works to their back, and uh, looks for the submission and gets them out of there. Submission, you know, he has uh, two arm bars, two rear naked chokes, and then he has a TKO, I believe. That was uh, a ground and pound, if I'm not mistaken. But this guy fights, like, uh, the way that I like to call it is, like, you know that expression, young, dumb, and full of cum? Like, that's how he fights, but he doesn't fight dumb. Like, by dumb, I would mean, like, he. it doesn't look like he tries to conserve his cardio. But to his credit, you know, the longest fight that I saw him go uh, was 7 minutes and 35 seconds. That was halfway into the second round of his second last fight. And the guy didn't look to be slowing down at all. Like, he just kept going, you know, always forward, always offense. Even when he doesn't get the position that he needs, he's working back to his feet. He's working to reverse. He's working to get his opponent back down and then working for that finish again. Very, very fun to watch. I completely understand why they're giving a 17-year-old a shot on the contender series because if he can go out there and replicate what he did on the regional scene, I can see Dana actually signing him right off the bat. You know, he usually talks about not signing these super young fighters, but this Rosas kid seems like he could be a problem. But this is where the other question mark comes, right? Questionable competition. 0 1-0, 1-0, 2-0, and 0-2. Mando is going to be the most accredited and experienced fighter he's fought to this point, but I still think that advantage that he'll likely have in the grappling here might be a little bit too much for a Gutierrez. But this is also one of those sit-back-and-wait spots, right? And just for people's information, this guy turns uh, 18 in about two weeks' time. So maybe, you know, he'll be the youngest guy in the UFC, uh, even at 18 years old, should he get signed here. But if he can replicate what he's done against these other guys, I could see Dana signing him right off the jump. The fact that Mando has shown uh, grappling deficiencies and, you know, seeing that he'll likely face that here against Raul, I do lean the Raul side, but it all comes down to the, the durability and the the resistance that Mando will actually get him. Because if he can survive the first six or so minutes and actually put up a fight, maybe Raul starts to slow down, right? That's the part of the game that we haven't really seen of uh, of Raul. And that's what makes me hesitant in terms of picking him as a minus 155 favorite. At least, sorry, uh, betting him as a minus 155 favorite. If he was the underdog, I'd probably take a shot on him here personally. But given the question marks we have of what happens when he actually faces adversity? And he faced a little bit of adversity against uh, Peña, Peña Loza, which again was his second last fight where it went into the second round. But it's completely different finding a guy with eight fights of experience, has a solid training camp. Uh, you know, Mando trains with the Chaos Williamses and, and the guys up there in East Lansing, Michigan. Um, but it, it's just a question mark. What does his cardio look like once he faces legitimate resistance? What if he can't get Mando to the ground? I'm sure he will. But Mando could potentially work back to his feet, make it harder for Rosas. But if Rosas can't get that early finish, how does he look later in this fight? And that's what's giving me a little bit of pause here. He should win this fight. His grappling is good enough to do so. Um, but uh, sit back and watch, especially with a kid this young. So uh, give me uh, give me uh, give me Rosas here, but not a whole lot of confidence. Oh, let's see what the chat is saying in regards to this matchup. Uh, 
Jake saying 17 year olds is crazy. Mush, uh, Mushroom saying Rosas Jr. inside the distance. That's kind of what I'm leaning on as well. Uh, Problem Kid saying he had IMMAF Jr. fights as well. That is true. Um, how many fights those did he have? Wait, who? Rosas? Because I did, I don't see that on, on his topology page. Mando, you know, 7-0 and on the regional scene. Again, a ton of... A ton of uh, Decent competition that he's facing as well, especially at that level. Uh, Anthony said, have you looked at their grappling records? Uh, I see that there are a couple grappling matches on the topology of Rosas, but not Mando. Kappa Bet saying, hope the 17-year-old Nuttery gets done. Anthony W saying, hope he's 17 and loses. <laughs> Problem Kid saying, Mando is nothing special. This is a good matchup for Royal to show out for the public and generate some heat. Interesting. Thomas Kane saying, Fando not doing contender series. What book you guys using? Do they have the book in New York? Thank you guys. Uh, I I just noticed Fando actually posted the contender series uh, lines today. So you might want to take another look at that, my friend. Tim Triano saying, betting 17-year-olds at Juice, what could go wrong? Bingo. Tim saying, DK Thomas. Oh, DraftKings, sorry. DXJC saying, betting on a child is asking for a disaster. Kid looks, kid looks good. I'll give him that. But yes, as a, as a favorite, I'm going to sit back and watch this and see what he develops into. But the pick is Rosas. Rosas inside the distance. But it's the fight that I have my eye on uh, for this card. All right. Now, the fight that I have my eye on in terms of an entertainment perspective is the main event. The UFC, new, or sorry, uh, the Contender Series matchmakers knew what they're doing by making this the main event. We got Leon Aliu going up against Bruno Fajera, uh, minus 245 on the Hulk, the Brazilian fighter. And Leon Aliu comes in at plus 205. Uh, he is the Italian here. Uh, fun fight. You know, both guys, finishers. You know, can I? really say anything other than that like uh bruno fajera one two three four five well actually all eight of his wins coming inside the distance the longest fight he's ever been in has gone nine minutes and 40 seconds where he was able to dispatch excuse me of a 33 18 and one well Oliveira, and then on the flip side for leon aliu uh, all of his 10 victories coming inside the distance. He does have one fight that goes all the way into round four and that fight from you know people that I've heard who were there and, and actually know what actually happened in that fight. I was stopped due to a cut. You know, there's no uh, footage available of the fight, at least not that I'm aware of. Uh, I did my digging as best as possible. Couldn't find the fight because you always want to see a guy, you know, uh, what he looks like in round four, especially when he always goes out there and finishes his opponents in round one. A little bit of a sketchy competition, if we're being honest. But just going off the last fight of Leon Aliu going up against James Webb, we see him win that fight a minute and 40 seconds into the first round. Uh, this fight was actually back in May as well. Uh, you see the lack of technique from Leon, right? The guy just throws with absolute heat. He just wants to get you, you know, get you out of there. Um, you know, it's there's no real method to his madness. On the flip side for Bruno Fajera, there is a method to his madness, right? The guy is a, a value cow tie fighter. We know those guys have very good discipline in terms of the striking. And you can see it with his striking as well, right? You see him, you know, not overextending. You see him throwing in combinations. You see him throwing crisp shots down the middle, right down the pipe, uh, good hooks, you know, great combinations all in all. Uh, and then his ground game. 
you know, very good for a guy named the Hulk. Uh, and, and I just don't mean like just his ground and pound, but he's a BJJ black belt. He's very strong, actively looks for submissions, you know, doesn't usually go just go balls to the wall with ground and pound. He kind of ground and pounds his way to finding submissions, whether it's arm triangle chokes, rear naked chokes, making the guy give up his back. There's a legitimate method to this guy's madness. And I'm very impressed with what I see from him. Hence why he's a minus 240 favorite. Completely makes sense to me. Now, see, the fight doesn't go to decision. Only available right now on Bet Online. It's minus 325. I think that's like got to be the lock of the card if we're talking about any kind of lock on a on a fight doesn't go to decision or a money line. Um, but again, super chalky. Completely understand why, you know, if people don't really want to pay that. And considering by the time it opens up on the majority of books, it's probably going to be up to like minus 500, minus 600. But I like Bruno Fajera here a lot. I was... Highly considering a Fajera and Ali of Parlay, but only getting about minus 160 on it. I, again, it, long term, that shit just doesn't work out. So I'm staying away from that stuff on, on my official record. Sure, I'll have a degenerate Parlay, you know, like a, a lottery ticket Parlay that will include Fajera and Ali of, but as an official play, I'm putting like serious money on it. Got to be careful in those spots, right? Got to be very, very careful. Uh, we just saw Zell Huber rip up a bunch of tickets for people this past weekend. So very, very careful. But Fajera and Alio seems to be like a parlay that should go out there and hit. Uh, but I am picking Fajera here. And Fajera, let's say by sub. Let's go Fajera submission. But yeah, Fajera is much better than this guy. Again, big boys here. They like to throw leather. I believe it is a 185-pound fight. But yeah, it's a 185-pound fight. But these guys are big brawlers but there is definitely more discipline and technique on the fajera side so give me bruno fajera in the main event Thomas Kane saying, getting me mad that i can bust my ass for 14 hours and hit the like button but you google employees to the lazy to hit the like button just hit the like button. <laughs> Anthony W saying, I will lose money on a kid every time and be okay with it. Can't imagine that kid in the UFC. You see Zell Huber still older. Yeah. Speaking of Zell Huber. <laughs> Problem kid saying, that kid been fighting for a long time. His sister fought Mackenzie Dern, I believe it was, in her debut, and his dad was a fighter too. It honestly makes sense when you see him. Tim saying, might stab sub one to Rosas. Not a bad... Way to go about it, in my opinion. Problem kids saying Fajera got the grappling. Yep. Uh, Anthony W saying, been making money on all contenders streets, and this is the trickiest one yet. Really don't know till I see the fights. Mushroom saying, most confident pick and prop. Uh, again, since you guys, since you guys hang with your boy, I'll tell you what my only bet is on this card. I got one unit on. Uh, he shared Jacoby plus 144. He's down to plus 115 now. You know, I told everybody on the, the Patreon and the Discord, uh, you know, this was, uh, the I think, the, the first or second fight that I I did the tape on. But, like, when he was still at plus 170, I let everybody know on the Discord that I'm like, I'm going to be betting Jacoby, but being the good guy that I am, I'm not going to track plus 170 because it wasn't widely available at the time. And by the time it started to open up on more books, it got to a, down to about plus 145. That's when I pulled the trigger on it. Uh, but my only bet, official bet, is uh, Heacher Jacoby plus 144. Uh, but like, I, I really think if I hit an alley of Farley, will hit. 
I just got bet it myself. Uh, I see my guy, uh, three team parlay saying, um, or sorry, okay, saying make a three team parlay. It would probably be Fajera, Rosas Jr., and Aliyev, but maybe throw in Jacoby instead of Rosas. Those are the four that I like. The Filio and Echeverria fight is a toss up to me. The rest of them, I feel like all those favorites, uh, with the exception of Jacoby, will likely win. Anthony W. saying, I swear, them, I swear I see them stare down and every time they look way different heights than listed. Yes. That's why it's important to see those uh, to those uh, to see those face-offs as well. All right. 40 minutes. Got through five fights. I got a bunch of shit to do hopping off uh, the live stream now. But I'm going to get started on Contender Series Week 10 uh, starting tomorrow. And I'll be dropping those breakdowns on the Patreon and will likely go live on Sunday to break down those fights for you guys and then put my eyes and my focus towards UFC Vegas 61, which goes down next Saturday. Don't go out and beat anybody up with no fights on this weekend, guys. Enjoy yourselves. Get some family time in. Maybe watch some Bellator. But I appreciate every single one of you as always. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe before you get out of here. And I'll see you guys on Sunday for the Week 10 breakdown. Actually, no, I lied. What am I talking about? We got the MMA Lock Talk. Tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, as well as Wednesday and as well as Thursday. Wasn't able to do it today because I had a fuck ton on my plate, but at least I got this contender series breakdown up for you guys. All right, I'll see you guys tomorrow to talk whatever the fuck you guys want to talk about. 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on this channel. Good luck on the fights tomorrow as well, folks. Catch you then.